Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You have reached episode number 289, entitled Legal Stuff. It was published on Thursday, the 28th of July, 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and before I'm joined by my good friend David Wormsley, a few very short bits of housekeeping. If you enjoy WP Builds, the podcast, and any of the other things that we do, I'd be most grateful if you shared it. Our Twitter handle is at WP Builds. Alternatively, you could join our Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, and join 3,000 plus very polite WordPress users, all exchanging thoughts and opinions. Alternatively, you could just go to our subscribe page, wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, and join our email newsletter, where we'll keep you up to date when we post content. Typically, that's two times a week, so that will be on a Thursday. That's the podcast that you are listening to right now. And also on a Monday, we do a live show, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. It's called This Week in WordPress, and I'm joined typically by three other people, and then we put that out as a podcast episode the next day. If you enjoy the live show, please come and join us this week. We'll have some expert guests and analysis all about the WordPress space. If you like a good deal, may I once again recommend our deals page to you, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, a searchable, filterable list of absolutely tons of WordPress products which are permanently on discount over at that page. So once more, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by heading over to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. That's go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And we really do sincerely thank GoDaddy Pro for their support, keeping the WP Builds podcast going. Okay, let's get on with the podcast, shall we? Today, David Wormsley and I are having a chat in our WordPress Business Bootcamp series. We are on episode five of season three, and today we're talking about, well, complex title I know, but the title is Legal Stuff. So this is all about our perspective, and we are not lawyers, caveat emptor, about the responsibilities that we have as builders of WordPress websites for clients. So it's things like the legal consequences of GDPR, accessibility, copyright, and all the other things that we might get ourselves embroiled in. Do we need to be involved? Are we better off just handing all of that over to the client and making sure that they know what their responsibilities are? So interesting conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome to another in the business bootcamp series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress sites and running a web design business from start to finish. We're on episode five of season three where we're looking at the technical build and today we are discussing legal stuff. Nathan and I are taking contrasting approaches as we get our new businesses running and our first client site built. She's a new lawyer with no previous site called Miss A and Nathan as usual we tend to recap on our different approaches yeah just let's do this very quickly i'm although i don't know actually i don't know that this will come up so much in this episode maybe a bit but because of the mm. nature of the topic it's kind of blanket across the industry really um mm. but anyway mine has been the traditional approach with fixed pricing the idea being that i throw out a proposal uh, give them some kind of contract and um and then set a deadline and deliver the project whereas yours is yeah, it's agile where we try and get out a minimal viable website and make ongoing improvements over time in collaboration with the client. So it's strategic and data driven. Yeah, you, you make it sound so impressive. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. So today, the legal stuff. This is, yeah. uh, is going to be horrible because <laughs> yeah. let's be honest, neither of us are law experts. 
So should we just shove that caveat in massive neon letters right at the beginning? Um, yeah. We definitely <laughs> we don't to. know the law as well as one might, but this is what we think. But we probably know more and have to consider more as we're relearning everything than we did when we started. So that's right. More yeah. around more legal consequences of the things that we do with GDPR accessibility and some things also, which I guess were always there, but related to rights and copyright as well. So we'll try and take each of those in turn. Yeah, there, there was basically mm. almost no law around the web when I started on it. You know, if you could put it up there, that was it. There was obviously contracts around <laughs> what you were delivering, but it was more about that, making sure that you did your job correctly, not about all the, you know, cookies and stuff that we'll get onto later. It was about just, yeah, you know, are you going to deliver what you promised to deliver and were paid for? Yeah, it's the really the early days where kind of data that people can have now just wasn't, people didn't realize that's how you could use the web so much and the power of it. So yeah. it's progressed. It's been a progression for sure. Yep. Um, uh, I, I mean, in terms of, it's very difficult, actually, we're both in WordPress communities and um, that it's kind of, you know, lots, often lots of chat, certainly in the ones where we're in page builder type communities um, uh, on this stuff. But it's very hard to kind of pick it out because there's also products that go to solve a lot of these issues. So a lot of it could be profit motivated. And that's that's kind of true outside of WordPress, of course, as well. Yep. Um, so <laughs> particularly yeah, recently, wasn't there on the tavern, there was something about um, those overlays for accessibility things you can buy right um to solve your problem so there's always something like that so uh yes we've, we've given our caveat shall we um talk a little bit about uh each in turn i mean we've already said that we're not knowledgeable about even the legislation that there is out there and we can't give legal advice um but i think probably we decided early on what we wanted to get from this was the fact that I guess our role is to make sure that we don't make ourselves responsible for things that are beyond our control, uh, of which we're not knowledgeable about and right. how we might want to do that. Right. And that really sums up the conversation, doesn't it? At the end of the conversation, yeah. that's basically what we'll have tried to do is yeah. to figure out a way to make sure that you're not in control of things that you never intended to be in control, you know, that, that you, yeah. you didn't actively wish to be in control of. And the fact that there's so much conflicting and changing advice in our Facebook groups and things like that is kind of demonstrative, I think, about how difficult it is to understand the nature of where we're at. And the law is changing um, all the time. New things are happening all the time. Uh, the public's tolerance for things is changing all the time based upon, you know, the leaks of data and things like that. It might become more important to, to understand all this stuff. So, yeah. yeah, but I think you've summed it up perfectly. Do be do be knowledgeable about what you don't want to be in control of and make sure that you're not in control of things that you didn't intend to be, kind of sums it up. Yeah, yeah. There is, I mean, you mentioned there's not much difference, and I agree with you, between agile and traditional approaches, but there, I, I think there is in a way. It's, it's changed how I approach these topics going from traditional to agile. So I think with the traditional approach, if if we're selling a complete product to the client and say, here you are, you're handing over the keys when you've built the site, there, there could be an implied expectation that you are sorting out these kind of legal stuff, you know, for them about right. their website and accessibility. So I think there is that where with the agile approach, I find it easy to broach that side of it earlier on because of the fact that the agile makes the client remain the product manager throughout the whole building of the site so you are in collaboration with building it but they automatically inherit those responsibilities for stuff yeah um, i guess this is the point of the contract though isn't it is that you would you would make sure that you have got signed off consent yeah. for who is responsible for what and yes. you just need to make sure that your contract is up to date and legally binding um, with the current state of affairs in the area of the world that you live in. Because this, you know, for example, if you will get onto it, but if you haven't mentioned things like GDPR and data controllers and things like that, then you potentially are in a in a in a world of hurt should they come back over. But I totally concede your point. 
it's a bit like when you buy something from a shop, isn't it? You expect mm. the shop to be responsible should you open the box and the thing inside mm. is broken. Mm. You would also, I think, instinctively have a, an understanding that if you had built a site and paid for it and it was handed over and then it turned out that there was some legal problem, let's say a data breach and emails get out and it's proven to come back to your website, there would definitely, I think, be some expectation that, well, I paid for the website. I'm going to go back to the person that built it and say, why, why has this been allowed to happen? So I, yeah. I guess I guess in my case, those conversations need to happen right at the beginning before they sign anything. And yeah. you just need to be really clear about who's responsible for what. I think the difficulty maybe with the traditional there is that I know a lot of people are quite smart with this and will put it in their contract that they can't accept responsibility for this, that and the other. And uh, that's fine. But it's kind of the small print thing, isn't it? It's the terms and conditions yeah. where yeah. I think, you know, the agile in a way they can't escape the fact that they are in control of this. Um, but on the other side, the anti kind of agile side of it is that because that tends to be a data driven approach. It's also it in itself is encouraging more the kind of tracking, which moves us more towards the privacy concerns of GDPR. That's right. So it kind of naturally yeah. leads clients in that direction anyway, where they might have more responsibilities and also when it comes to you know the idea i mentioned of getting a minimal viable product out there you know it's easy for the kind of challenges of accessibility to get pushed at the back when you're constantly changing stuff because it's not like a product you build where you might think about all of these things because you've got this final product so yeah so both ways i think but i think there is a there is a distinction i think in approach and that, that plays into what we're talking about okay so just just a, a real aside, but an, an important mm -hmm. aside. It, curiously, the scenario that we've set ourselves over these last three series is that mm. we've got a client who's a lawyer. <laughs> so just in this one particular case, I think it it's probably reasonable to understand that they would have an understanding of some of these aspects. Now, they, they may not be expert in internet law and all of that kind of stuff, but you would, you would imagine that this client, uniquely this client, is going to be asking probing questions about who's in charge of this and who's in charge of that because they would need to be very certain about where they stand and who's responsible. But this client won't be typical. You know, it's unlikely no. that you're just going to niche down on lawyers. So curiously, I, I would feel much more certain going forward with this project than I might do with the, I don't know, the local shoe shop or something like that. Yeah. Shall we start with GDPR and those kind of privacy and cookie law and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. First? Okay. <laughs> oh, this has kept everybody going for years, hasn't it now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's coming back again, isn't it, as well? Because we've had recent court cases with Google Fonts and Google Analytics. Um, and they've just been, they've been private court cases where, you know, it's local judges are ruling, hearing two sides of an argument. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's been given a lot of um, coverage, I think, in the communities I'm in. But when you look at where most of those articles are, they're on like Hacker News and things like that. And um, and with competitors selling an alternative to Google Fonts or Google Analytics. So um, I'm not quite sure. It didn't kind of make, as far as I can see, the BBC, you know, for me. Yeah, it is interesting. And it definitely did pop up into the news. You know, it made it into... Um, things like the tavern again, as you described, and and onto I think I saw it on Search Engine Journal, but you're right. I don't think it made the mainstream news, certainly in the UK anyway. But in mm. my understanding, the Google fonts, I think that was that was taken through German courts. I don't know mm. on the back of it what the what the fine was, or indeed if there was any fine, or if it was just a you need to improve this. But essentially. Um, it was about the IP address, I believe, being taken from a website which was held on German infrastructure and that IP address had been sucked into Google Analytics and there, therefore sent to the US. So it's a fairly, fairly trivial example, but the GDPR definitely does see an IP address as personally identifiable information. So you are in effect breaking the law. It's curious that... 
I, I, I don't know how much I'm going to be shot down in flames about this, but it feels like a lot of people on this side of the Atlantic, that is to say Europe, they, they seem to be a little bit more uh, accommodating to GDPR and they seem to have gotten to the point where they can live with it and, you know, their, their understanding of what the purpose is. Whereas I feel that on the other side of the pond, it's a much more difficult pill to swallow because yeah. you're being forced to consider law, which doesn't even have anything to do with the boundaries of the country that you live in. But because yes. a lot of these giant companies are based in the US, you know, Google, Facebook are the two ones that come to mind, then it, it applies. And whether whether you like it or not, if you're getting visitors from anywhere outside of your own jurisdiction, and certainly if they're coming from Europe, this matters. Yeah, I moved forward a little bit, but we talked about this earlier. And, uh, and I think you're right. I mean, certainly amongst the web designers, the US ones, I mean, all of us, I think when GDPR came out, thought, oh, gosh, something to get our heads around, some responsibility, something we need to know about. And if you're American and you feel it's being done to you yeah. <laughs> by the, the EU, I can understand that. But uh, my, my theory is that this, I think, just for the Western world and its values, we have to have some protection about how you know, the, the kind of power that people have who can take our data. And if it hadn't been the EU, I'm pretty sure the North Americans would have come up with something similar. And I think there is something similar, isn't there, in the state of California or something as well. Yeah, so, again, that feels like that's true, but I, I, I can't be certain. But yes, that feels true. I guess the, the principle here would be that when the internet came about, it really was just a set of HTML files living on yeah. servers and and you know things like cookies and all of that were were just technologies to enable things to happen so the cookie was to keep state to see if you were logged in or not and the ip address was the obvious thing which yeah. told packets where to end up and so on and there was never this never a hint that okay we could actually use the ip address and the cookies that we planted in the browser a little while ago to do other things and so now we've moved on everybody's connected 100% of the time via their phone, which is constantly phoning back and giving away data about your location and so on. Mm. And we just didn't see it coming. And now I think you're right. If it hadn't have come from the EU, it would have come from somewhere else. And perhaps an interesting thought experiment would be, let's imagine that 10 years into the future, that the big corporations online are all based in, let's say, China, for want of a better yeah. word. Would we be happy sending all of our data to servers in China, and I guess if you're a European, you could apply the same argument to North America. Would would you be happy for all of your data to yeah. egress the European Union, or in this case, Britain, and go off to America? And, and at some point, there's got to be a, a buffer to say, actually, given that there's so much data going out now, maybe we do need mm. some, because it can't just be a Wild West. You can suck out what Ever you like, whenever you like, about whoever you like, that just mm. seems like it had to come to an end. And GDPR was it? Yeah, I mean, we've all joyfully given up our privacy, you know, with the internet, and you know, well, our values are as they are to protect that. You know, we do need governments to sort of hold people accountable. So I think you know, it's inevitable we'll have this, and and we'll talk about, it, I guess, a little bit later with the there is a progress it's not like this has just appeared suddenly that's all right these years yeah uh, we've yeah. moved towards it you know interesting i mean you mentioned about the fine for the google fonts and that it's it was a hundred euros oh okay because Very it's just little, local yeah. courts and and at the end of the day i think when it comes to these court cases it kind of is just what a judge will decide on based on the information that they're given in court whereas i think you know the the wider conversations the ones that we know google are having with governments we also know there's been some recent agreement between the eu uh, with the us about sharing data because that's one of the difficulties about um, gdpr is the people legislating don't really know the technology and don't know the problems that might come with one of the the issues of that is you know having information from one country on a server in another country you know because the internet pretty much relies on that doesn't it yeah i guess the i guess the one of the problems is the the likes of google and facebook mm. they can mm. totally modify their technology so mm. that they can 
comply with pretty much whatever comes along. So let's say, for example, GDPR. Yeah. I would imagine it's not much of a decision for somebody in Google to say, okay, let's open a data center closer. Let's just open one up in the EU. Yeah. Obviously, given the nature of Google, we know that they have those already. But you, you you get the point that a big business can sort of really get over this these obstacles quickly. But the likes of you and I building websites on a very very modest budget, and we're going to be hosting them on infrastructure that we don't own. We've got no real control over, other than the fact that you know we can buy it or not buy it. We could possibly mm. move it and to a different part of the world, but we'll still be under their privacy policies and so on. We've we've got to think about this a lot, really. Um, mm. And and it so yeah, you can't really sidestep it. It's the future. It's what's going to happen. And I think the, I'm going to put down the stats that I saw them, which is but actually it's quite interesting. I was looking at built with for yeah. their stats for Google fonts and, you know, roughly it's used on about 50% of sites, although there is a slight dip off recently. And I think maybe due to that and also a dip off as well with Google analytics, but it is six, around 60% of the web and it's 85.9% uh, of all sites who have analytics. So that hmm. is huge, hmm. you know. Uh, so if Google Analytics is illegal, you know, 85.9% of those who are collecting any kind of analytics are uh, behaving illegally. So It's a really perfect example of how the web has evolved, isn't it, Google Analytics? Because, you know, the old adage that if you're not paying for it, then you are the product. Uh, that strikes me as a real great example of it. It, it must mm. be, I mean, it's just such a superb suite of free stuff. You just drop a line of code in and all of a sudden it's telling you everything you could more or less imagine you could ever need to know about your website but you Im can you imagine the interest interesting data that Google themselves are getting out of this? It must be must be astonishing. And and whoever came up with Google Analytics all those years ago, I, I bet there was a dilemma. Do we really do? We, is this of any interest? We're a search engine. And but now looking back, they must have been like, "Oh, this is one of the best decisions we ever made." Um, I don't know what the future is for Google Analytics because I really haven't followed that story closely, but it sounded from what we were talking about before we hit record that you, you've you been following it a little bit with Google Analytics 4 and how that's different. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it, 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 the old analytics, which we've had for pretty much the last 10 years, is due to end um, around, I think, June, maybe July of next year, 2023. Um and uh, so we're going to get G4. And G4 is, as as I understand it at the moment, is cookie-less. Um, but it's unclear. I, I, in fact, I tried to search and I could really not find much about how this relates with GDPR, apart from the fact that it doesn't use cookies. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what data points are going to be lost. Because one would assume, well, I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong. Maybe there are technologies which don't store GDPR um, data, you know, data that would come under the auspices of GDPR, but can still get the same data out. It, it makes me think, for example, how how will they know if you are a returning visitor, for example, if yeah. you are not storing any kind of cookie? Are there, are there other things which can be done if there really are no cookie? I don't know. It genuinely is baffling to me. I, I just wonder if, if the the sophistication of Google Analytics will be decreased or whether they've got clever ways of sidestepping the problem and still giving reliable, predictable data. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much more about, um, you know, before it's about kind of numbers and visits and stuff. This is much more about actions that people are taking while they're on your site, that kind of data. It's a slight shift in the, in the, the information that it's providing, but it's still for me to learn about. But, this, you know, clearly it's changing and, and clearly they have built up some of the privacy aspects, you know, what they can, what useful information analytics, what, what do people need to know about how people are using the sites? It's the same yeah. as Microsoft has built Clarity, which yeah. is also... Uh, and kind of alternative to a degree, but it's focusing more on how people are behaving on your site. Right, so, heat maps and so on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But it's also gathering the basic analytics. And again, it's it does drop a cookie in their case, but um, you know it's supposed to be GDPR compliant, but they all will say they will be in that sense. And I guess that will be the aim. But it's interesting. I mean, I think for you know this fear that it's illegal, 
but when you look at the reports from it, it's coming from people with perhaps a vested interest or people who that would be part of their news agenda anyway, who are talking about it rather than it being kind of global news about so, Google uh, Analytics. Yeah, are you meaning that the, the sort of scare stories that people who are saying yeah, that the sky think, is falling in google analytics yeah. is evil it must be avoided at all costs are you i think they're saying they've maybe problem. got an agenda with a rival product or something like that yeah yeah oh yeah often i think that's the case you know there is a, a rival and it's used for that and not often the fear is brought in they they tout the gdpr maximum fine of uh, 20 million, 20 million euros. yeah yeah <laughs> um, of which, you know, it's silly because one thing is absolutely clear about GDPR is there is a very stringent warning process. So no one's going to suddenly find themselves with a 20 million euro fine. You really have to stick your fingers up at them numerous times. <laughs> That's right. You can get these. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't need to live in fear just yet. Just, curiously, no. just going back to the Google font thing, the yeah. there was a debate which was begun after all of that. And I think... There's now talk about um, ways for theme authors to kind of mandate the downloading yeah. of Google fonts. Now, I think most of the themes that I've come into contact with in the recent past have had a an option to download Google fonts because it turns out that you can font you can host yeah. the fonts locally and they're free to download from Google. You just have to go through the process and enqueue them in the theme and what have you. But, mm. um, but you know, so you can carry on using Google fonts. You just maybe don't want to be taking them off their uh, servers. You know, that is to mm. say, calling them on the on in the HTML, and that seems to sidestep the problem. And whether or not Google, uh, sorry, WordPress core would wish to impel people who are creating themes that this must always in the future yes. be an option. Um, seems like a fairly sensible default. I wonder what will be in it for Google, apart from just being a good, a good web custodian. I wonder, I wonder if they'll continue to maintain that Google Fonts product if it basically mm. just turns into a downloadable thing. Because you've got to imagine they were getting IP addresses and sucking all sorts of important data um, as a result. I don't really know. No, I, I, I don't know. It would be a big thing if the the themes team in in WordPress decide that they're going to ban those that are going to hook up to Google Fonts because I'm sure that's going to have a huge impact, isn't it? On, yeah. On the yeah. use of the service. You know, yeah, but the themes that 40%. I've been using for the longest time, there's just a button in the settings somewhere which says, you yeah. know, do you want to just have the fonts local? And you click click the button and you're done. I wonder if they violate another law uh, because one thing is you're supposed to include somewhere your licenses for your fonts, even though they are pretty much all the equivalent of Creative Commons zero licenses. There are still is a legal requirement to do that. So, I, oh, you know, this, the, this kind of stuff can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this stuff can go on forever. You yeah. know, I mean, I locally load my fonts manually as well. And uh, I try and remember to include the little license somewhere. But uh, even so, I'm not sure where it is. But I do know it's a legal requirement to do that, to cover the license yeah. where your font came yeah. from. Um, and I wonder if the themes do that. Anyway. Yeah. Off, yeah. And aside, off topic. aside, yeah. <laughs> That was good. Okay, uh, where are we going now? Uh, well, maybe you should just mention quickly the, the long history because the we had, I mean, I remember this so clearly back in 2011 when the EU cookie law, which is officially called the e-privacy directive, came into effect. But it started uh, in 2002. I so did we not had the know cookies. that. That is interesting. Yeah. That's a long time ago. And it, and it shows you about how easy it is to get cynical about uh, governments doing this stuff. Because, I mean, that was one where it was a classic turnaround at the 11th hour, literally days before it was due to go out, which I think is always the same date with these things. I think it's the 25th of May, same as the GDPR date was. All but right. <laughs> I, I think so. Um, could be wrong on that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it usually seems to be May. But uh, they had to turn around because, you know, the, the type of cookies that need, they needed to make some exceptions. Otherwise, people wouldn't be able to drop the cookies that would tell you where you was on a you know on a route to the shopping cart right so right, it would have right. killed all e-commerce at that point which kind of you know shows you how you know for good intent is behind all of these decisions yeah but, you know the the difficulty of implementing it um the, the people making the decisions really don't know how that might pan out in the real world because yeah they're not technicians so yeah but i don't think it's a reason to be cynical about it i mean i think the problem with that one as we talked about is it just meant that everybody had these stupid pop-ups 
Oh my word. I mean, I still see the stupid pop-ups all over the place. Yeah. Um the the latest round is is just the sort of dark pattern uh, around are you going to accept all the cookies or some of the cookies <laughs> yeah, yeah. or the necessary cookies or the cookies that we don't really need but we're going to ask for anyway and the that seems to be everywhere still it, it kind of frustrates me i can see the point i get it but it also more or less every site that i go to if i haven't been there before and accepted the cookies uh, are really doubling down on this yeah and then we have you know which is still to come into effect we have the e-privacy regulation rather right. than the e-privacy directive which was first proposed in 2017 and was supposed to come out with gdpr so gdpr is really tackling the storage uh that kind of privacy and this was you know this was more about the tracking wasn't it of yeah. cookies so they should have come out together and and part of but the problem is it's an ongoing discussion the last i heard is it's due to come out uh next year two thousand 2023 mm -hmm. um but who knows if it will because it seems to have gone off at all different angles one of them being how do we get rid of all of these stupid pop-ups which are annoying that nobody nobody is really giving consent because they just need to get around the web so they're just ticking yes to everything um, yeah yeah that's right and that's that's what i feel i'm doing as well you know you, you're you're somewhere time is limited and you yeah. just can't be bothered to go through that process so in a sense like i said it's the dark pattern it's the inconvenience yeah. of not accepting all the cookies because the pop-up yeah. comes up. You then have to click the button, which will then create some sort of other pop-up, which will then have a bunch of toggles to decline all the cookies. You haven't got... I mean, I wish you did, but that that's, that's a mess. And every site's got a different implementation and different language. And so there's no kind of muscle memory that you can rely on, which says, okay, given given a choice of cookies... I'm going to do this, this, and this, and it'll be over in two seconds. You have to go through and read everything, and it it really it really does make a bit of a bit of a mess of the web. It's really stifling it a bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, are there any sites where you've put that on uh, a, a pop up? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. What about you? No. No. Well, I did for the cookie law because was that back um, in the day or was that recently? Uh, back in the day, I yeah. mean, recently, when I used to work with my colleague, um, she was rather a fan of it, so she led it that way. But actually, the, she did have some of uh, her clients, um, you know, one of the church who thought they needed to have it. There was another one as well. A few people had it, so we kind of put them on, or I put them on, um, because they felt they needed it for the original cookie love before a GDPR. But it's interesting enough, I mean, most of them were only gathering basic details and, and i feel they're unnecessary now well what i would say to the clients because i want them to have um th they need to be the decision makers right they need the knowledge right so, yeah. yeah yeah so it's up to them but you know for us in the uk the with the original cookie law um they stopped actively pursuing it you know they they don't have any staff for it at all they've announced that and they're only looking at the top 200 sites only if there's a complaint because they know it's going to be you know taken over by something else so yeah and also you know when it comes to the ico it's a really interesting website because you know we've had the google analytics being illegal um but they still use it themselves there and they're the body that were given us in the uk <laughs> but so but interestingly enough though more recently they have done a tweak so it does show that they've been making a difference i've noticed now that it doesn't come on if you come in from the eu yeah if i'm coming from india on my where I don't put my vpn on that it pops up for me with google Analytics. that is so, interesting okay so they yeah. have tweaked it yeah i feel yeah. i feel there's a whole debate here about whether it's even worth it for a certain type of client. And I, d I don't mean that in like everybody go out and break the law. I just yeah. mean it in the sense of what are the chances of any of this coming back to bite you? And does that figure into the amount of effort that you put into it? Because there is, there is work to be done. There's things that need to be implemented. And for most people, typically most websites, like our little lawyer, um, yeah. Do we need all this or is it just an impediment to getting people onto your website? Yeah. I mean, we have to make choices uh, based on what we think we have to apply. But I think, you know, for me, I, a pop-up, I think, needs to come up when it's covering the things that GDPR 
uh, allude to. So right. they kind of track in. So the uh, Facebook pixel or something. So you're going to be advertised because you went to that site and that's going to carry you through. Mm. I think that's where you do need to give consent to that sort of stuff. Yeah. Or, or, or I can see the argument rather for that more. Uh, and I can see why that law is there. When it comes to I'm gathering just very basics, uh, you know, that I'm just taking forms. So that's information which people you would think when they're filling in a form of, are already by the, their actions giving consent, you know, that you wonder whether that's needed. And yeah, it's, it's um, you know, so I think there are levels and I think you have to decide and, you know, the impact that might have on somebody else's privacy. And I think yeah. ultimately these laws are only there to do that, to get us to think about the, all this data, which we now can easily gather, which has been a concern ever since we've had computers, you know? Okay. <laughs> so look, looking at it through that prism, that's quite interesting that the law is there to make us think um, yeah. and to pause for thought and think about where's this data going? Is it necessary? Do we need to collect this? Is this never going to be looked at so it's pointless? Or is it really worth having? So let's inconvenience the user a little bit and give them a, a warning or make them tick a box to say that they've read privacy policies and so on uh, because yeah. that data is worthwhile. Um, yeah. And then, and obviously at the beginning, at the outset, having that conversation with the client, do you do you actually want any of this? Are you actually going to yeah. look at any analytics? Are you actually <laughs> going to be driving traffic from Facebook? Here's another yeah. thing, right, to throw in. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if, and we didn't talk about this in the in the preamble talk, and it's not in the show notes. I do wonder if, if some of this is going to be taken out of our control anyway, in that I wonder if the browser manufacturers, obviously Google is a slight exception because, you know, they make the, the Chrome browser. But I wonder mm. if the drive from people like Apple and their Safari browser and their, you know, Safari on iOS in particular, they're just blocking a lot of this stuff anyway. You know, it, it kind of renders some of that, those arguments moot because yes. it's not it's not possible to to do some of these things. And yeah. and I do wonder if the debate is shifting towards privacy built into the browser and the fact that cookies yeah. can't be set, nothing can escape. You know, you can't be tracked from one page to the other because Facebook set a pixel somewhere. I yeah. wonder if that's going to become the the quickest way to solve this in the future. Sorry, complete aside, but I just thought I'd throw no, that in. but actually, it's very relevant to the e-privacy regulation that because I, I mean, not that I follow all of this at all, but mm -hmm. I know there were definitely people advocating that idea. How do we get rid of these annoying pop-ups? Which you know, obviously way people's psychology is it means it's not doing the job they expect it to do and one of those is to force the browsers to do this job for them you know to say okay you set it you know when you install your browser the first say it says you know do you want me to just say yes to everything or do you want me to block everything you know and, yeah, and deal yeah. with it that way yeah um or, or just block you know block certain things and not others and i think that does seem the sensible way because you know the stupidity of this way is that it's almost like dealing with um, road traffic safety for children or something by telling every individual driver that they must make the children aware <laughs> as well, they drive that, past so them. So that's, that's an interesting shift, isn't it? So imagine a scenario where every internet company was allowed to set any kind of cookie, do anything they wanted yeah. on a web page. So, so you and I could build a website and throw any amount of crud in there that would track everybody all over the place and we totally know that imagine that scenario that every web page is a potential death trap kind of thing but yeah. equally we also know that the browser that we've got is not going to allow any of it and so it's an interesting shift because it it puts the as you've just described with the children it puts the onus back on the end user to yeah. have technology which is going to help the tracking to be stifled as opposed yeah. to the people building the the websites to not put stuff in which the the legislation requires be be kept out does that make sense yeah. i'm not sure i articulated yeah. that very well no no i know exactly what you mean yeah i i think but you know gdpr was good for me actually it did make me think about a lot of storage of information that i had particularly just forms you know yeah uh, you keep them forever every yep. everybody who's <laughs> it's just stupid stuff. So, you know, you build it into your form, something that clears it up to help the client. Should we just move on to how how, how we might just get out of all of this? Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> because there is 
and it doesn't get talked about much, but it's, you know, responsibilities are clearly laid out by roles and we have the data controller and that person is responsible in the organization for all the GDPR, not just the website, because it's just not one thing. And I think my feeling is that we should always concentrate on this and make sure that we don't unwittingly make ourselves joint date controllers unless of course we need to be um and i think making decisions on behalf of clients such as changing their google analytics for them kind of puts you in that role i think okay so just to just to go through that again to drill down into it a little bit mm. you're you're talking about the fact that the data controller ultimately is the person who's going to get the the knock on the door from the uh, the solicitor yes. i guess you're talking about a scenario in which you may accidentally put yourself in being the position of the data controller because you're offering something which perhaps on unwittingly to you means that you are now in control of it so yeah. your example was i'm installing google analytics for you and i never handed that over to you i've just i yeah. don't know given you access to my google analytics account or something so i am now responsible whereas a a different approach may have been to ask them to set everything up and you just copy and paste their 10 digit code or whatever it is yeah, exactly. I mean, there are some people where you just got to define that's your responsibility. You have the expertise in this certain thing, and that's where we can easily fall into it. But I don't think we necessarily need to when it comes to services we don't control. We, right, we, right. We probably don't want to put ourselves in the middle of that. So I think it would be if you were deciding, I'm going to put Google Analytics on your website, it would be, shall we do this? You're the So my way of dealing with it now is, and it, it seems so logical now because as as you need to have a defined data controller for a privacy page on a website, which you're going to provide for them, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can have that conversation say who it is and then explain, look, the way I work, blah, blah, is that you are always in control of these kind of basic decisions. I will just suggest what are our options and Google Analytics will be one. There are others, but it is yours. And that way you're just not, you know, putting yourself where potentially from their perspective, if somebody, if the EU says you're violating here, they go, well, that's my web developer. He takes care of that. You've already told them, no, you're the data controller. I'm not a joint data controller with you. Okay. So given that that is true, a couple of questions leading from that. The first one is, yeah. do you only have to have that conversation once or do you have to have it repeatedly each time a new thing comes along? And... Do you, do you need to get all that in writing? Does that need to be signed off to say, okay, David Wormsley is not the data controller, Miss A is, and we're going to put that on the privacy page so that it's very clear. Do, do you have to have that in writing, do you think? I guess you do. No. Well, I, do, I think not because I think, oh. you know, yeah, unless you – I mean, this would – the issue wouldn't be necessarily – I wouldn't – I mean, it would be like everything is if it – became a friction then it would be for courts to decide and we know kind of you know that can go any way uh, but i think you know in terms of there should be no reason why they think you are or yeah, you should give yeah. them no reason to think you are yeah. anyway just what i mean yeah that's i do all, I, all i'm saying on that i don't think you need to keep overly protecting yourself um because then that well maybe that might make them more conscious of their dis you know the decisions they make maybe yes. do but yes yeah <laughs> for me i don't feel like that i just feel the need to make sure that my service is not one where i provide them with this compliant product that's what they think they bought i got I it. just make sure yeah. we're building a site together you're the data controller the decisions like this which could impact legally are the ones that you make right yeah that's an interesting way of putting it yeah okay got it yeah um, so yeah, that's it really. I think that's, well, we've done, I think we've probably done the Avenue GDPR. Should we go on to accessibility? Sure. This is another minefield as well, isn't it? Because, and, and in a, one which seems to have, um, really grown in importance over the last year or so, it seems to be yeah. incredibly important now. I was having a chat with Amber Hines, who, uh, ah, yes. deals with accessibility a lot. And the, my current thinking on this is that it's not, uh, 100% or nothing you know in other words if your website is not perfectly accessible that's that's fine so long as you're on a journey mm. and you are getting yourself towards everything being accessible but it, it does yeah. feel as if the ambulance chasers might see this as a golden <laughs> yeah. opportunity in the near future so doing nothing might not be advisable but not doing 100% 
right out of the bat, right off the bat, is also okay, so long as there's a a flow in the right direction. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for before. Ambulance chasers. That's it. There's yeah. a big wave of that people profiteering on accessibility and i think there's a couple of things which may have boosted it recently i think last year i think the us who really didn't have i think any official laws of generally for the web on accessibility i think now have it but i'm not sure on that and we've got we're also in wordpress as well where accessibility has come up a lot because there's a whole new ui for wordpress and you know there's been a lot of talk about that so that's raised awareness as well i think mm. in our area about mm. it do you, uh, I mean, in your experience, have you had anybody made that a priority of theirs? Oh, when they ne- come never, to never, no, yeah, no. Um, I, I, I think it, it's it's still not even on the radar. I mean, it, it's for us to introduce that subject, isn't it? And for us to yeah. have an understanding that well, this really is going to matter, and in fact, it already does matter. But it's more of a conversation of, look, you you do realize that we need to give this some thought. And whilst there may be some hidden costs there, largely to do with time spent making things work correctly, um, you've got to do it. You know, there's no way of avoiding it. Even if you, you know, in your previous iterations of the website, it was never mentioned, never discussed, never thought about. Well, it, it does now. And you can yeah. you can really you can sort of see in the real world examples of this, can't you? You can see in the real world infrastructure being put into buildings to make it so that people, for example, with wheelchairs have access. If you go back fifty years, that never happened, and mm-hmm. now it's just part of the cost of putting together a building. You've got to have that stuff. Yeah. It's not allowed to do it otherwise, and so the same would be true on the web. You've got to build this stuff in, and there is a cost to it which can't be avoided. But um, no, never, ever came up. Um, A tangent time again now. We never discussed this before, but just an interesting thought here. As we move, and WordPress does as well, towards this idea of DIY websites, non-coding solutions, no one needs a developer any longer. Um, It's kind of like this could be undone by increased accessibility laws because you are going to need more than what you see is what you get <laughs> just what I mean. So you yeah. could see a uh, a complete turnaround. Like that. We're maybe moving into that direction. It, interestingly, for me, I, do you know what? I did have one client. Shall I tell you about them? Yeah, um, yeah, go on. Yeah, the, the one who did come, and it was when I was working with my colleague, who accessibility was a big thing for them. They they got governments and arts council funding, and they were a charity. Right. And it, really interesting um, because they had one of these on their main site. This was a side project they came to us about. On their main site, they had one of these overlays, which had been criticized a lot. It was in the WP Tavern about accessibility advocates had an open letter urging people not to use these. That's right, yep. Yep. Accessibility, etc. There's a load of these on there. So they had one of those. And it was it was just so interesting about this whole responsibility with them because I wasn't interested. My colleague was because she was sort of connected in other ways with them. But because they came with this and they had another developer who was too expensive and they didn't want to use those. But, but they really required a legal level. And I just said, you know, honestly, because they also had some really grand ideas about what they wanted this website to do. And I said, but the two don't go together. You can't do that and be accessible. <laughs> so I didn't really want to do it, but we helped them in the end. We put something up, which was actually reasonably accessible in the end. Somebody just worked with us, but it, it, it's been an ongoing thing as there's a kind of passing off of responsibility, you know, between client, because I hosted them for a while and then somebody lost a job somebody else came back in and they were wanting me to sign all sorts of things to the effect that i was responsible for things which i clearly wasn't going to be because my involvement was a few hundred quid (laughs) (laughs) and i would be opening myself up for (laughs) tens of thousands (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um so i said they had to move on but it's it's just interesting i just thought with the public body which of course has more responsibility particularly if government funded to um make their site accessible to all it's it's you know but it how that pans out in an organization like that wasn't very well you know it it really for them it was a job that they needed to you know make somebody else's responsibility i feel that the 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 job is explaining isn't it to the client that this stuff matters and then being able to dig out the the appropriate 
documentation <laughs> in your jurisdiction which explains why it matters but also what absolutely is a kind of minimum really needs to be happening putting that in front of the client and saying look here's some here's some guidance and again it's a bit like the data controller thing you then say okay you are now armed with this information where do we go from here and yeah. i guess you are covering yourself you're protecting yourself if you if you've had those conversations and it's it's decided that this thing can happen this this quarter and this other thing can happen in the next quarter and just yeah. see where that conversation goes yeah it, it, i think yeah. it's the hot thing at the minute and i think it'll continue to be to be so you were talking about things like pop ups and you know these overlay um, technologies mm. which have been reported about <laughs> and and i do wonder if in the wordpress space because there's now a need for it i can't see what what will be done but i i do i would imagine that bright and interesting minds will be turned to this as a thing that they want to tackle and i'd be curious to see if in the future plugins which do a, a decent job um, yeah. may very well come along rather than having to use all the different browser extensions and tools out there to scan your site and so on and so forth. I wonder if the WordPress ecosystem itself will figure out how this might be done best. Yeah, I, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, one of the things I always felt about this kind of off-the-shelf solutions, and they're still there um, for the pop-ups for is it miss rather misses the point doesn't yeah, it yeah because what you're supposed to do with the gdpr is you're supposed to analyze your business and how you gather and, and justify your you you're supposed to have done the groundwork uh, to understand how you use your own data that's what they're aiming at so when you go and buy these things that are pop-ups with it written for you what they tend to do is that they, they end up not really being legal because they don't explain the use for the data. Because yeah, it's just yeah, that, yeah, yes, yeah. they have this little logical loop of where it's used for, whatever it might be used for, you know. Uh, and so they don't, I think they move away from what the legislation is attempting to do. Yeah. Um, and and I think one thing that just crossed my mind when you as we moved on to accessibility, you mentioned the GDPR pop-ups. I wonder if they're accessible pop-ups. <laughs> do, 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 do you abide by one law and break another at the same yeah, time? That's fascinating. What an interesting... Yeah, we should go out and check that at some point. Um, yeah, but it's the new thing. It's the new thing. And it's yet another... Um, it feels like almost like another sub-industry in, yeah. in website development, you know, in the same way that you've got your SEO people and you've got your performance people, and now maybe you've got your accessibility people and they become uh, an, another part of the solution. You've got to go and speak to them. And maybe if you're a big agency, you've got somebody on your team who's making sure that that's all happening. And if not, you might have to hire in some expert because honestly, there's we're just touching the surface here. You imagine if we were to really dig down we would yeah. have to be legal experts, accessibility experts, design experts, coding experts. And at some point, I guess you've got to think, okay, I'll let somebody else take some of this off my plate. Um, yeah. Yeah, which speaks to the big, the bit right at the beginning of the podcast where we said, you know, just make sure that you are being very clear about what it is that you are in control of and what you can do and explaining yeah. that. And I think in all of these things, without taking responsibility, you can help people with all of this as part of your service that you give to people, which they wouldn't do for themselves, like the simple example of auto-deleting form entries or something on behalf right. of the client. You right. know? But also, I think, you know, when it comes to accessibility, perhaps you're not going to make yourself responsible for it because you can't really, in a way, because a large part of uh, abiding by the uh, WCAG, the uh, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, mm -hmm. it, m m half of it is really about the content, the media that you're putting on your site right, and whether right. you have alternatives and stuff. You're not, we're not going to be necessarily responsible for that, but we could be helping with it. But we can, and I think, you know, this is the nice thing about it for me. I feel I'm more conscious because I do follow it, but it's just a natural part of uh, learning a, a bit more about being a good UX designer. Right. You know, you, mm. you start to think from the visitor's point of view and, and you start to think about, you know, whether you're color contrast and all the stuff. But I think in principle, most of it's just good sense, isn't it? Yeah. Most of these guidelines. Um, yeah. And you will naturally follow them, but you couldn't take control because it, it relates to stuff 
that the clients will do. And if a content management system, mostly we're on that. So we can give clients control over publishing. So, yeah. Um, uh, do, yeah. do you, do you think, do you think we're done with this today or is there uh, another you, section? Oh, the, you've got rights and copyright as the last do you one, know what? I think. I know. Let's leave that. And if we need to do it, we'll do it at another point. Okay. It's just too much, isn't it? Yeah. And I think basically the bottom line here is just um, get some Teflon shoulders, you know, develop the, <laughs> develop the strategy of saying it's not, it's not, it's not me, governor. Uh, <laughs> I, well, pretend not. I think pretending to be an expert is foolish, isn't it, with this stuff when you're not? You can yes. just help them say, look, I'm aware of this stuff, but it's yours to really deal with. But let me just tell you what I know so far, if it helps, you know. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. You know. Let's end it on that perfectly, uh, perfectly cogent way of describing it. Right. Thanks for that, okay. David. That was brilliant. Yeah, lovely. Shall we say what we're doing next time? Yeah, go for it. So we're on episode six, series three, and yeah, it is. Well, well, we're talking about the launch. So, yeah. Finally. Uh, which is something actually happening. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because, yeah. of course, I, you never have a launch. So, uh, you know, know, you've got nothing to say. <laughs> Just drips in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Lovely. Thanks. Bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Always a pleasure to chat with David Wormsley. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to chat with David once again because we flip-flop between an interview one week and then a chat with David and I the following week. So two weeks from now, we'll go on to the next in our series, the WordPress Business Bootcamp series. I hope that you enjoyed it though. I hope that there was some interesting information in there. If there was something that you would like to comment on, please head over to wpbuilds.com and search for episode number 289. Leave us a comment there. It's quite likely that some of the things that we said may not have resonated with you. There may be something that we missed out, something that you feel that we got wrong, or possibly something that we got right. We would love to hear your thoughts. And if you feel like sharing the podcast, we would love that as well. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WP Builds. And we thank GoDaddy Pro for their support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, that is truly it for this week. Once again, I hope that you enjoyed it. See you next week. See you possibly on Monday for the This Week in WordPress show. Stay safe. Bye-bye for now. And here comes some very, very cheesy music. Music.